down here at the church building this morning, starting to feel a little more normal, opened up out there, which is exciting, and hope to see you guys um, who I haven't seen soon. But as we're diving into chapter, uh, let's see here, the Gospel of Matthew, it's early. Um, let me pray for us as we're into Matthew 26 this morning. Lord, go before us right now. And as we get to see um, Peter's failures up close and personal this morning in chapter 26, pray that you would help us to see ourselves in him and seeing ourselves in him would run to you. And so, Lord, that's what we're, we're asking you to do for us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're an American Idol fan, back in the old days of American Idol, Whenever a contestant would go home, be voted out, they would always play the song, You've Had a Bad Day. Uh, and as we look at Peter in Matthew 26, I mean, no more appropriate theme song for him. Now, as a reminder, the reason we're walking through Matthew is that we said it's a great companion piece to our preaching series through First Peter on Sunday mornings. And by understanding um, Peter's background a little bit better and what was happening in those three years where he was with Jesus, we can see how that made such an indelible imprint on Peter and was used by God in a mighty way to make him whom he was called to be. And so we have a lot of these famous, just amazing passages in First Peter about submitting ourselves to God and humbling ourselves before him and and being low so that we can be lifted up and and humbling ourselves before his mighty hand. And I think Matthew chapter 26 gives us a real sense of what God used to break Peter to wean him off his self-reliance, self-sufficiency and to send him running back into the arms of Jesus to prepare him for works of ministry for the rest of his life. So as you recall, one of the last times we saw Peter was in Matthew 17, and this was one of those spiritual high marks, spiritual high moments. Jesus had gone, um, Peter had gone with Jesus, James and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and it was there that he had seen Jesus in all of his unfiltered glory. Um, remember the Father spoke, Behold my son, who I'm well pleased, listen to him. Um, it, was, it was a sense of Mount Sinai being reenacted where, remember, Moses asked God to show him his glory. And God said, I'm going to show you a little bit of my glory, the backside of my glory. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. But here these disciples are getting this opportunity to see the glory of God on display. It made such an indelible impression on Peter he returns to it uh, by name in his second letter. But I really think Matthew 26 is crucial to understanding the spiritual process that God used to really mold and shape Peter and to prepare him for future ministry. So let's walk through some, some, some strategic points of this chapter to sort of locate Peter and what's happening with him. So obviously in verse 17, it tells us that all the disciples are gathered 
to celebrate the Passover with Jesus. And remember that we know from the other Gospels that despite the fact that Jesus had repeatedly warned them that he was going away, that he was going to be betrayed, uh, they were still anticipating big things on this night. Now was the time where Jesus, right, was going to consummate the kingdom. He was going to set up his rule and his reign. And other Gospels even tell us they were having an argument about who was the, who was the greatest. Um, and they're celebrating, they're celebrating the blood uh, and the bread, the juice, the, the wine, getting ready to, Jesus is um, inaugurating the Passover, the Lord's Supper. And look at verse 30 here. It says in verse 30, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised, I will go before you. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I, and, and then Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. So again, Peter's hearing these dire warnings. He's saying, but Jesus, this won't be me. They may fall away, but I'm not. I'm rock solid. I am, I'm going to stick with you to the end. And then Jesus says, um, uh, then Jesus says, truly, I tell you this very night, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. So there's the backdrop. Peter is, is resolute. And we can all attest to this, right? We can all attest to those times and seasons in our life where we say, you know what? Um, I'm in a good place, God. I know that I have failed you in the past. I know that I've been unfaithful, unholy. But I'm doing good. I'm with you. I'm in lockstep. I'm walking in obedience. I'm in a good place. God, you can count on me this time. So we've all been, right, where, where, where Peter is, um, feeling like we've got this, feeling self-sufficient, feeling like uh, I'm strong during this season in my life. But it quickly begins to unravel. So it can't be but 30 minutes, maybe an hour later, Look at verse 26. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now this is a time where Jesus is before the Lord. He is asking for this cup to pass from him. He, he knows he's about to be abandoned. He knows he's about to go to his death on a cross. And he is just asking for his disciples and these three men particularly just to be with him, just to pray with him, to be a human presence with him. But as we see here, not once, not twice, not three times, they all fall asleep. They, they are, they're, they're, they're walking alongside their friend, but in his hour of greatest need, they are failing him. And so much so that by the third time they fall asleep, he came to them and said, Sleep and take your rest later. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And so they have slept through the crisis. So they're to be on watch. They're to be praying. They're to be coming alongside of Jesus uh, but yet in his hour of greatest need, they are, they're falling down at their post. And again, we can all see ourselves in that, right? 
moments of weakness. Our, re- our hearts are strong, they're good, but the flesh is weak. And this is what Jesus says, the spirit is in, he says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so when, when, when that happens to us, we can often respond by, again, making resolutions. It's going to be better this time. I know I was weak. Lord, I've made promises to you, but I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to live for you now. And you sense that's probably Peter because look back down in verse um, 51. It says, And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now, we know from the other Gospels, who was this? Well, of course, it was Peter. And you can see now, I'm sure he's embarrassed. I'm sure he's ashamed that he's fallen asleep. Jesus asked him to, to be with him in, this, in these final hours of his life. And so, so Peter feeling shame, Peter feeling guilt, wants to make up for it, right? And so now that this crowd is coming to take Jesus away, Peter pulls his sword out and cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. It's a great picture, isn't it, of, of what we do when we try to rectify, when we try to fix what we've done wrong. When we've been unrighteous and by our own efforts, we want to take righteousness into our own hands and sort of give a makeup call for God. But in the process, like Peter, we can end up making things much worse. Um, we apply human, um, situ- human solutions to a divine problem. And this is what happens with Peter. And Jesus has said, essentially, what are you doing, Peter? Look at verse 52. Put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? In other words, Peter, you're not making things any better, right? There's a plan, predetermined plan going on right here. I can handle myself. That's not what this is about, Peter. Um, Put your sword away. So he does, and Jesus is instantly bound and taken away. And then what does it tell us in verse 56? Then all the disciples left him and fled. And of course, that would include Peter. Again, Jesus, I'll never abandon you. And then at the first sign of trouble, Jesus, I'm abandoning you. And, um, and so, so Jesus is being hauled off again. This is a, a, a second failure of Peter this night. Jesus is being hauled off to the Sanhedrin, the, the, the council. And remember, he's made this prophecy about Jesus. And here Peter is, verse 69. And you know the story all too well. Not once, not twice, not three times where he is given opportunity to affirm his relationship okay, to Jesus, to acknowledge his loyalty to Jesus publicly as a witness in front of other people, Peter fails not once, not twice, not three times. And we can, our heart goes out to him, right? Because we know what this is like to not only fail, but to fail repeatedly. And every time we fail repeatedly at the same sin, because remember, we're always like, I won't do this again, God, I won't do this again. Um, We nonetheless still sort of stray back. And like once we sin once, uh, the shame and the guilt multiplies every time we sin again. 
And here you can just see Peter's world imploding, right? You can just see all this condemnation coming down on his head. He's failed Jesus in the worst of ways. He's made resolutions, but he's fallen asleep. He's made matters worse. And then now he's turning his back on his Savior. And of course, um, verse 75, and he went out and wept bitterly. And so the fall of Peter is great, right? One thing I want to encourage us towards, okay, is through the rest of Matthew, you don't hear any more about Peter, okay? You don't hear any more about Peter. Now, John tells us the whole process of restoration and what happened between Jesus and Peter. But really, the most important thing that Matthew tells us, if we go to verse chapter 28, at the very end, before he ascends back into heaven, Jesus looks at all the disciples and he says, um, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Now I'm giving that authority to you. You are now my representatives. You are now my apostles. Go and make disciples of men. And we have to ask what's happened between chapter 26 and chapter 28 in order for Peter to be a part of this great company of men who will go on to lead the church. And of course, you know the answer. I know the answer. It's the gospel. It's the death and then the resurrection of Jesus. While Peter was still a sinner, Christ died for him. Christ laid his life down for him. If it was up to Peter, there was nothing he could do to fix this broken situation. He had utterly betrayed his Savior. He had fallen into deep sin and an abandonment. But yet, Jesus restores him through his death, through his resurrection, something outside of Peter. It wasn't Peter's resolution. It wasn't Peter's strength. It wasn't Peter's um, you know, um, stellar obedience that brought him back into the good graces of God. The reality is he never was out of the good graces of God. And Jesus appropriates his life, death, burial, resurrection to Peter. And obviously, church, he does the same for us. And so if we find ourselves in the midst of a Peter moment today, where the flesh is willing, um, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, where we have succumbed to temptation, where we have heaped guilt upon guilt, condemnation upon condemnation, shame upon shame upon our own heads because of our failures, because of our sin, because of our broken resolutions, take hope for folks not hope in yourself but hope in the gospel hope in jesus who goes before peter who goes before us dies on a cross buried is raised to life and by virtue of the fact that now giving us his holy spirit he dwells within us and he will never leave us or forsake us and so um, our last glimpse of peter in this gospel is one that points us to our utter futility in saving ourselves, but the utter grace of Jesus in saving us. That is Matthew 26. And we're going to be back here tomorrow, Matthew 27. Let's pray. Lord, help us to take these scriptures to heart, Peter's story to heart, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And that um, even in the lowest of moments, even in the deepest discouragement because of sin, your grace is greater than all those things. 
And we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great day, Four Oaks.